This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans, for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of The View from the Gladys Street podcast. I'm your host, Ian Kroll, and joining me on today's show, we have two guests. We did have three, but unfortunately, we had the last-minute pullout. Nevertheless, my two guests today are fired up and ready to talk all things Everton. To my right, we have Everton fan and the Echoes post-game podcast host, Paul Wheelock. Hello, Paul. Hi, Ian. You okay, mate? Yeah, not bad, not bad. And sat in front of me, we have sport media maestro and, of course, a top blue, Mark Francis. Hello, Mark. Hello. You okay? How are you doing? Good. Yeah. Uh, on today's show, we're going to look back and react to the nil-nil draw with Chelsea and delve into a number of issues stemming from the game. The level of officiating, Bernard's form, Mina's debut, injury blows and the defensive dilemma Marco Silva now faces are all on the agenda. Just a small announcement before we begin, we now have a closed Facebook group dedicated to all of our Everton podcast shows under the Royal Blue banner. All you need to do is search Royal Blue and apply to join. There you can join the debate and and interact with fellow Blues. Lads, welcome to the show. Mark, first appearance. Um, Just tell us what you've made of Everton so far this season and before we just uh, move on to the Chelsea performance. Good, promising, I think. Um, Starting to see now what he wants, what Marco Silva wants to do with the the team. Um, Yeah, the signings we've made are good as well. Brands, getting people like Gomez and Mina and that. Uh, Yeah, it's looking... Promising. And uh, Chelsea's uh, the Chelsea performance. Obviously, uh, you would you probably would have took a, a draw at any point uh, before the game. So were you were you happy or content after? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you, I mean, you can't say no to a, a nil nil against them at the end of the day because uh, you know they score for fun, um, especially at Stamford Bridge where we haven't got the best of records. So yeah, good. Um, Paul, you did the uh, the post game show. Uh, following on from the game, uh, what did you make of it yourself? Yeah, I was I was really pleased. You know, I thought first half we were really composed, weren't we? I thought, as Mark said, then like it can be you can be up against it at Stamford Bridge, particularly this season. But I thought we, you know, we we weathered that storm and we were really equal to them in the first half. Second half we had, we had to hang on a little bit, didn't we? But you know, earlier this season, I know I was probably saying it as a you know on these podcasts, like I was wondering about whether Silva could be defensively strong and but he proved that didn't he and the, and the lads proved that on Sunday so yeah really happy with the points was, was there a sense of almost frustration at the at the final whistle that we potentially could have done a little bit more to to win that game because like you said probably the last 10 10 15 minutes Chelsea were on top but other than that but like first half second half we we matched them and, and we had our chances didn't we yeah, yeah. Like if you if you look back at the highlights, I watched matches today too. We had two good chances, didn't we? Obviously the Bernard one, which he fluffed, and even the Walcott one. Like you know, I don't know. He put the ball over the top with him, mm. but a good touch. Then he's he's one on one, and you back him to score because nine times out of ten he usually does in those situations. So we're just one goal away from like a classic away performance, aren't we? Like not a smash and grab, but you know, a yeah. proper away one nil a one nil away performance and. and I think a, a, a draw was a fair result, but you, you're right. We could have had more. Uh, Mark, obviously it was a good, solid all-round performance. We got a point away to Chelsea and we kept a clean sheet. Was there anyone in particular, individuals who stood out for you? Um, well, obviously Yeri Mina, straight away, man of the match. Um, Pickford got us out of it quite a few times. Pickford um, was sensational, he was, wasn't 
just superb. Um, yeah, with Charleston holding the ball up well and getting in behind the behind the back four. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's Mina. Mina just just didn't phase him at all. What did you make of Mina Paul then? Because I'll be honest with you, obviously we've been waiting, haven't we, in anticipation for him for his his debut, and I was slightly worried to be honest about not maybe his like defensive capabilities or attributes. It was him on the ball. And it was one of the things that he was at Barcelona for months, wasn't he? And then they got rid of him. And I was thinking to myself, is that why they've got rid of him? Because they like to play out from the back, don't they? So I thought to myself, is he going to be, you know, or is it going to be a bit of a struggle here for him? But he, well, he used class for me. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, I totally agree, mate. I had similar concerns just because he's coming cold, and I know he played in the the, the glorified friendly in the week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what a tough place to, to make your debut. Stamford Bridge against Hazard, Narata and, and Willian and all those players. But yeah, he, he defensively was sound, as Mark was saying then. You know, the only worrying time was that the, the booking, which I didn't think was a booking, but you know, in this, this day and age, like, you could even get sent off for it stupidly. But you're right, it's, it's early days with him, but you'd, you'd hope given the money we spent on him, he'll be, he'll be money money well spent but it just looks like another example that even though if you're not good enough for Barcelona it does not make you a bad player at all no absolutely well, there's, there's levels isn't there what you know what we expect and we're obviously not on Barcelona's level I just thought that he might have took a, a few games to settle in but you know he's just completely hit the ground running hasn't he um, Mark there was a few groans I think especially on Twitter with the the substitution that Marco Silva made in mm. terms of I think it was did Sigerson come off because he was injured and he brought Jagi on, which effectively three at the back or five at the back, whatever way you want to look at it. Yeah. Now that can be seen as two things, can't it? It can be seen as a defensive switch or it could be seen as a bit of an attacking switch with your wing backs. Um, turns out that Chelsea, you know, piled on the pressure for us in the last 10 or 15 minutes. So we didn't really have those opportunities or chances. So were you were a bit disappointed with that substitution. Did you see it as a negative um, move? No. I mean, it's obviously it's it's down to him, but sometimes you've got to make them decisions. You know, you can either throw it away at the end and go all go all hell for leather and try and get that win, or you know, like like we said, it, they were piling on the pressure. And I mean, it might have brought it on a bit, but to be fair to Jagielka, I mean, not many thirty-six scrolls can go on at that time, you know, and and still do a good job. Yeah. You know, made that clear overhead kick in the in the box did, to clear it. Like, I um, thought it was I thought it was good. Like, because again, it's just a different side to silver, isn't it? I yeah. know, I know. Like Sam Allardyce <laughs> certainly would have done that, but I don't think we would have been in that position last season under yeah. Sam. I mean, I we attacked as well, so yeah, you can't go out every game. game, can you? Going Cohen, you know, be expect because God knows what could have happened. Chelsea could have broke away or anything yeah. and scored there. For me, I felt it was a maybe a, a conservative sub, but. I felt the wing-backs could have got forwards. I think that's what he was hoping for. Turns out that Chelsea piled on the pressure, like I said. But, um, Paul, did you see it as a negative substitution or, you know, settling for the points yeah, almost? But there's, there's certain times, like, you know, in the day as well as we played at United and Arsenal, we got nothing. So, you know, if it did, like, preserve a point, a point at Chelsea is a great result. You know, particularly this season, uh, given the way they're playing and particularly given our record at Stamford Bridge over like you know the last 25 years I've got no problems with Silva it, it, the best thing about him is that we're now good to watch again aren't we and you can see the progression that he's he's trying to you know put us through but I'm quite happy, happy for him to be defensive in situations like that I think it shows that he's a good all-round manager uh, Mark just before we came um, 
into the into the the studio for the podcast. Put a question out for everyone to um, say in the in the the Royal Blue group if there's anything we want to speak about. You know, yep. give us a shout out. So um, one of the questions that a, a Matthew Barry, who's um, a member of the group, basically said the mentality that the Silver's installed in the team is, is never say die attitude and no fear of opponents. Um, do you think that? Do you think that's true? What, what do you make of that? Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it showed it at Arsenal and United when we went out and actually attacked these teams, and the same at Chelsea. You know, it, it, there was just no fear. I mean, obviously, referees didn't help in both of them, but um, we're coming away with you know you're holding your heads up and everyone's clapping the team off at, at the end of it, even though we've got two defeats and a draw. They're they're the games that we want to see Everton raising it and. Um, you know, take taking it to them, taking the game to them, and you know, showing no fear. So, yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned the referees <laughs> and officiating there. Um, another one, uh, John Howard, who's been on the podcast. He, he mentioned he wanted us to talk about the the referees, and he seems to think that you know the top six clubs. There's a bit of a bias towards them. Do you, do you agree um, with that, or is that obviously a bit of frustration from from Everton fans? You know, it is hard to take. I think. <laughs> It's one of them. I think if, for example, that Southampton game at the weekend, I think if Charlie Austin hadn't mentioned that after the game, I'll match the day. No, no one would, no one would have known about it. It wouldn't have been brought up at all, really. I think it'd have been one of them where you see it for the weekend, and that's it. You forget about it. But I think decisions get blown out of proportion for the big teams or the top six or whatever. Um, so no, I can't. I can't say it's anyone's biased. I think it's just. People pick on their them kind of challenges and what have you, um, yeah. decisions more because it's the top six, I guess. I mean, um, what 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 do you think? What did you think of the level of, fish, of officiating on uh, on Sunday? Because you know we we come in, don't we? And we talk, we try to talk about football, but over the past couple of weeks, we inevitably talk about referees and the, the bad decisions that they're making. So, um, what was Kevin Friend? Like on one on on Sunday, or are we just, you know, bit being in that Everton bubble? I think I judge it by how many times I swear in front of my kids watching Everton, <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely got told off by my wife a couple of times on Sunday, and it wasn't just about because we were playing all night, so it couldn't have been about Everton. No, it must have been the ref. I did, yeah, it was like the meaner one. It was just like. He won the ball, didn't he? He won the ball, and I know and we've been here before. We've we? been here before, Jack like Jackie Elker, exactly, and it was just. The United game, I, I'm still trying to find it hard to get over that because it wasn't a penalty, but I can understand referees. It, it, it is con by attacking players, don't they? It's, yeah. You know, it, Martial was clever. You know, he felt like there was some kind of contact even if he got the ball. And I'm not particularly blaming Martial in that respect because he's most footballers do it now, but it was more the small in one. You know, if, if he would have got a second book in there, which was equally as bad, if not a worse challenge as mean at the weekend, it's it's 2-1 and they're down to 10 men. And that was the one that riled me. And I just think sometimes, I'm with Mark, I'm pretty sure refs don't go out there to, to give the bigger teams the better decisions. Not the bigger teams, but, you know, the big six, so to speak, uh, the better decisions. But it does feel like are they, lately... Are they easily influenced or can they be easily influenced? Might be a good shout, mate, you know, because they are the big, big name players and, you know, you get Pogba surrounding you. It might be a bit different, but... I don't like to see Everton play surrounding the referees, but there are times where I do think we are. We have been a bit nice, you know, like, you know, in that instant, small and why, I don't know if we did because I'd have to look back on it, but they would have had every right to go up to the ref. What's that? Mm. You know, because that, that's anywhere else 
on the pitch. It's just it's a shocking yellow, isn't it? I can't recall whether we did, uh, you know, put a, a word in the referee's ear, but I think we were just shocked that we were given a penalty yeah. more than anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was yeah. a bit of a, yeah. a bit of a surprise. So yeah. I think it was just get hold of the ball and get it in the back of the net, and yeah. let's not waste any more time. But it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you know VAR is meant to be coming in. Um, or potentially coming in, I know they keep testing it, and it's it's had its time in a couple of cup competitions in the World Cup. But even then, like like you said, a couple of uh, couple of podcasts ago, if if there's idiots behind VAR, then you know it's not going to work, is it? If the same people are making those decisions, then it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, let's move on then. What what did you make, or what have you made of the form of Bernard Mark recently? Because he did kind of hit the ground running when he came in. He made a couple of yeah. cameo appearances, didn't he? Especially at Goodison. He obviously isn't fit to, to the full extent of what he should be. He obviously hasn't played in a while. so But he's come in and now he's, he started a few games. But he has fluffed his lines a little the past two times now, hasn't he? In the big games, United, he had that chance where he rounded the keeper. Yeah. And he obviously did it against Chelsea, didn't he? So, obviously, I'm not saying we're worried. We're not, we're not worried about him, but... Do you obviously just think we're not going to get too carried away with him? We need a bit more patience with Bernard. Yeah, I mean, someone like him, and he's been injured for so long. Was it March or something? He got injured and then he didn't play properly until we signed him, I guess. Um, yeah, you've got to take your time. I mean, it could be January before he he gets, he really does start showing us what he's capable of. I mean, he showed us against like the likes of Leicester, you know, he is actually a really good footballer. Um, but yeah, I think it's. I think it's just time. You just got to give him time. I mean, I mean, he's 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 clearly composed on the ball, especially when when we're on the break and you know, like against uh, Brighton, um, with the little one-two he did with uh, Sigurdsson, um, for the goal. So it's yeah, I, th- I think we can only wait and see what happens. I don't think you know it's not like like what happened with Klassen, where he's clearly not up to the Premier League or the standard of you know with his with his height and stuff like that and his. And his uh, build, but yeah, he, he looks he looks like he could be the business. You know, I mean, he was worth what forty million quid or something when yeah. when Shakhtar were trying to when they signed him, I guess. Or yeah. so yeah, he, he'll he will. I think he's just going to be one of them where when we see how good he is, really. I mean, but I felt surprised. sorry for him slightly, Paul, because it was a bit comical, wasn't it? The chance against <laughs> Chelsea, all he needed to do was kind of just compose himself slightly, maybe even take take a step back and square it or shoot. Um, for me, don't know about you what you thought, but I wouldn't have talk. I wouldn't have took Bernard off. I would have took Walcott off rather than Bernard. And obviously, Luckman came on. Um, we've we've obviously discussed Walcott and his form a couple of times on the Royal Blue podcast as well as the View from the Garden Street podcast. So, um, you know, fans and you know journalists and reporters have got their own opinion on him. But what, what do you make of Bernard at the moment? Is it obviously just just timing at, timing at the minute? I mean. Would you have made that substitution? Would you have taken Bernard off, or would you give him a, a bit more time? Yeah, I, I think, I think I would have took him off just because I think he's tiring a bit at the moment, yeah. isn't he? Like, and as Mark rightly said, he's coming back from an injury. He's he's adapted to the pace of English football. Uh, I, I, I'm with Mark in, in terms of my opinion of the player. I think we've we've got a really good player on our hands here. But I think it'd be fair to say that the last three or four games after Leicester, maybe uh, he's not quite hit the same standards, and he's probably unfortunate that. He's, he's, he's big two moments he's missed, hasn't he? You, you mentioned the one on, on Sunday and even the United one. You know, like he's, he's got composure, there's no doubt about that. He's got class, but he's just missed two decent chances. And yeah, I'm, I'm not worried, but 
it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Walcott's in a similar boat. I'm, I know where you're coming from there. You could, in probably most of the last few games, you could have taken either or off, couldn't you? If, if Bernard was fitter. Uh, and it, it, it is an interesting one for Silver because Luckman's looking good, isn't he? Well, did you mention before as well that Walcott had that chance with the yep. ball in? And it wasn't really a chance in the end because he couldn't control it. So he, but he was he was in there if he controlled that and you know was in on goal, wasn't he? Yeah, like it, it was like I'm I'm sure I've seen him score goals for Arsenal at Stamford Bridge like that. You know where on the counter, like someone plays him through and he just like you know laces him and then puts him in the back of the net. And I think that's what Walcott's always got, hasn't he? He has got a goal threat. I know he's missed a few chances, particularly lately. I think against Palace and and Brighton, real scissors, but. There's always a goal in there with him. And I think he's just going through a bit of a tough spell at the moment. But as I go back to him, like, there's only so many times Luckham can, can, can keep on doing what he's doing before he, you know, he gets that first start. And obviously, we've just been talking about Bernard and, and Walcott there. One of the questions from uh, the, the Royal Blue podcast subscribers, Callan Lapsley, I think it is. Um, obviously, plenty of time now before we, we play Cardiff, anything can happen, injuries and, and stuff like that. But what, in your opinion, or... Ideally, what would you do next? Does, does Luckman deserve a chance over Bernard or, or Walcott coming in? I don't know, you know. I don't... I, I really don't know. I think that's a tricky one because Luckman probably deserves to play given his like uh, his performances off the bench. But I don't know if he's a better player than either. Mm. And I'm, I'm almost like... Bernard needs games, doesn't he, to get fit, as we, as Mark was saying then, and to, and to get up to the speed of everything. And, and there's still something with Walcott, even though he infuriates me at times because he's just not in the games enough for me. He's still a good player and he's a goal scorer. So I'd probably give him one more goal. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, that's fair so. enough. Well, after that, we've got, from after Cardiff, we've got the derby, haven't we? So, you know, if you take your chance against Cardiff, effectively, you're going to be you're going to be in that team against Liverpool. Um, Mark, all the talk... Beforehand, not all the talk, but you know, a percentage of the talk in the build-up was about Ross Barkley and obviously former Everton player. He he barely featured, did he? Didn't even yeah, didn't even ten like, minutes. You got think yeah. it, yeah, something like that. Yeah. What have you made? What what did you make of make of that? Did you expect him to start? Um, I, I don't know. You know, because I mean, Kovacic has been playing quite well for for them lately, and I don't think that Barkley unsettled his his position. I mean, he did for a little bit where. He would. He was playing like sorry. He was playing him against a few of the lower sides, but then I, I really did think he was going to get at least like half an hour or something. So for him to be chucked on at ten minutes to go and then just kick the ball out for a goal kick and a throw, <laughs> didn't really stand back. Yeah, think, it? <laughs> it didn't surprise me. Nothing surprised me of him just chewing the ball and sideways passes. It, nothing surprised me when he came on. Did you feel the worst, Paul, when he came on for that last 10 minutes because Chelsea were on top, weren't they? Yeah, I, I put two quid on him to score because I Did thought, you? yeah. What, just, in play? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, but no, just when he was ready to come on because I thought, well, it's going to happen, isn't it? What so, odds were that? What would you get for that? I would have got about like 25 quid, something yeah, like that. So, we, yeah, you know, it would have eased the pain a little bit, but that just shows you how much of a pessimist I am, like <laughs> what Everton's done to me over the years. Uh, no, I. But I thought he'd play more because he has been playing well, hasn't he? I don't think I'm not sure about this all this hype about him. You know, he has yeah. a, he has a few good games here and there, and he's back in the England squad. And I've seen an article saying he could be the next Frank Lampard, and just like, wow, you know, he's, he's got to do it for a lot longer than that. But I did fear the worst. Well, straight obviously, just straight off the top, you're Then who would you rather have in your team now, Andre Gomez or Ross Barkley? The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street podcast. Go- Gomez, 
because I think he suits the system better. And I, I never quite knew where Barkley's best position was for Everton, but I'm not one of those people who thought he was rubbish. You know, certainly last season, you could tell we missed him, but hopefully we've moved on from him now. Yeah. I'd say Gomez, yeah. Mark, who would you, who would you have? Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. fair enough. Um, we talked about Yerry Mina and obviously his debut performance. He got a lot of plaudits. He got man of the match, didn't he? Right? Yeah. Um, so, again, anything could happen over the next two weeks. International break. Got Cardiff coming up, though. So what does Marco Silva do now, then, in terms of the defence? Because he has got a bit of a dilemma now, hasn't he? As yeah. in, Kurt Zuma couldn't play against Chelsea. Now he can Really, you're not going to kick Michael Keane out of that team at all. But after a promising debut from, as we've just said, Yeri Mina, does he go with the five at the back or does he does he kick one of them out? Well, I mean, why you just wouldn't you wouldn't change your formation, would you? Just for Cardiff, um, it's I mean it's a good dilemma to have because it shows we've got strength and depth in defence, but. I don't know. I mean, he's he's the man to decide that, isn't he? You know, <laughs> sitting on the fence there. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, do you do you unsettle a, a working defence? But then the working defence wasn't settled with Zuma having to sit on the bench. Yeah, or not even on the bench. Um, and then the, the lad that comes in gets one of the match. Exactly, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's we've never had this many options, have we? It's yeah. never been this good. I mean, Paul, you know, Yeri Mina did play very well, didn't he? But you know. You've got to go back to Zuma and Keane, haven't you? Surely, because then if I mean, sorry to interrupt you there, but you know, if you go the three centre backs at the back and one one gets injured, you know, you'd be you know you're down to Jaggy Elker and Holgate as your backup. I know we have got backup, but are they in the same league as the three that we've got at the moment? I wouldn't say no, certainly not in form because Keane and Zuma have been excellent, and and as you boys have been saying, you know, being a what a debut so. It's, it's a real, real tricky one. I think it's a far trickier than one whether it's Luckman, Bernard or Walcott because, you know, you can't drop Keane. He's in the form of his career and, and Zuma's been great, hasn't he? Yeah. You know, but then what do you do? Do you go to three at the back and change the system? That's working. I don't know, maybe, I don't know if maybe Sigerson's injury will change anything at all, you know, because... Well, is, is he going to be out for Cardiff? Has I that been confirmed? I don't, I don't know, like, but you'd think he might be a doubt, isn't he? Because he's missed the, he's not playing with Iceland, is he? And over the international break, don't know whether that changes anything, you know. But then again, I will need him in the derby. It, yeah, you'd, so yeah. You don't want to, yeah, you don't want to risk him, do you, against Cardiff? I don't know whether, but yeah, the, the system's working well, isn't it, at the moment? Mm. I'd be tempted to go four four two, and I, I like Mark. I'm gonna like splinters in my backside and go <laughs> leave it to Silver like, to decide because that's that's tricky. That I mean, I think it's not it's not defensively is it, but th- you know three or five at the back, whatever way you want to look at it, it could still be considered offensive. But I I personally would would drop Mina again, and if Keane and Zuma are fit, they would be my two. I've just got a question mark. I know he's coming slightly back into form. Whether Coleman could play that. You know, Marauder, you did see it a little bit actually against Chelsea on uh, Sunday again, Marauding forward, going past players. Taking people on, yeah. He was doing yeah. that, wasn't he? So, but can he do that for 18, 90 minutes now in, in his, that's the, the stage of his career? Um, I don't know. So you need that, don't you? For, for that type of type of system. I think we've got no problem that Dean can play that. Um, obviously, there would be a question mark on Baines if he, if he was to come in for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I think I would personally go the two. Zooming and Keane. Um, injury doubts then is the, you know, Sigurdsson obviously 
the victim of a, a bit of a, a terrible tackle there. And, and Gomez now is, um, he was called up to the Portuguese squad, but now is, is being sent home. As this international break come at a, a very good time for Everton, even though we've got a bit of momentum, you know, we can kind of regroup over the next two weeks and then go into Cardiff, hopefully full strength. Uh, I, I don't think they ever come at a good time because no one really wants them, do they? No, <laughs> you no, know, no. Just when you get a decent result or a little bit of form or you need a win, then one comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I just... We've got to just press on. You could turn around and um, sort it out. Yeah. Well, Paul, uh, you know, international break here, it, it does always come to see, seem to come at the, the worst time. I don't think there's one now until next year, is there? No, or, until I, March. It probably March. March. So we have yeah. got to, you know, the games are going to start coming thick and fast. So, you know, international break, I, I would suggest that it has probably come at the right time for Everton at the moment. Yeah, with those injuries, as you say, because if we were to lose uh, Sigurdsson and Gomez out of the team, that that really weaken us, wouldn't it? You know, quite a lot because we've seen the difference that Gomez Gomez has made over these last three or four games, and and Sigurdsson I thought was great on Sunday, like off the ball. Because I don't profess enough knowledge to know about like tactics, but I've been reading uh, bits and pieces this week about Jorginho and. It was like the, I think it was the least effective he's ever been in the Premier League. Like you know, Liverpool, obviously, rivals across the park play a very high pressing game, and they weren't effect- as effective against him as uh, Sigurdsson was. I think he he works so hard. Everything goes through that Jorginho, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and so. he stopped him, didn't he? Yeah. And I think he got he got whacked for it, didn't he? I think he was just a bit angry about not not seeing the ball. And it, again, it just I had doubts about Sigurdsson. Not doubts, but I, I thought he could play better earlier in the season. He's really answered any any doubts in my mind and. I think be a massive loss at the moment. I really do. So mm. even more, maybe, maybe even more so than Gomez, you know, for, for Cardiff, for Cardiff, because I think whoever we play in, in that midfield against Cardiff, we should have control, shouldn't we? Yeah. Um, in the last podcast, we mentioned, or we tried to tally up how many points we would get um, from the next couple of games. So obviously we've just got the one there against Chelsea. Next, we've got Cardiff, Liverpool, Newcastle midweek, haven't we? And then Watford. So what, what would you say is a, an optimum amount of points if Everton are going to, you know, do well over the next those next couple of games. So it's Cardiff, Liverpool. It's four games, isn't it? Are you looking at obviously twelve points would be fantastic, but realistically, what what would you suggest? Because three of them are at home, aren't they? Is that is Newcastle away? No, Newcastle is at home midweek after the derby. So it's the the derby's the only one that's away out of out of those games. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to say nine, wouldn't you? Yeah. Because I think uh, yeah, obviously. All Evertonians want twelve, but it's it's rare unless you're City. You you win four games on on the run in the Premier League. I just think Cardiff, even though they've done okay, you really expect that for three points. We all know Everton's record at, at Anfield, but at the same time, as as well as Liverpool are doing in the league, I think even Reds would admit they're not playing particularly well at the moment and they've got Watford when they come back after the international break and then Paris Saint-Germain a few days before the derby so mm. you just never know there could be points on the table there uh, and then after that Newcastle is in, the, in, in midweek and then Watford on the Monday night and mm-hmm. I'd fancy Watford on a Monday night even though they're playing well like just, just don't think they'd fancy coming to Goodison all the yeah. way up in like late this, late November on a Monday night Newcastle one could be interesting I don't know but yeah I think nine if, I, if we got nine out of those twelve Wherever they come, I'd be happy. Come on, Mark, say 12. It means we'll beat <laughs> Liverpool then. Yeah, <laughs> do it, aren't we? Yeah, do one there. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with Paul, but nine minimum. 
you know, it's what we want. Whether we'll get it, I don't know. I, th- I feel like the Watford game with the whole Marco Silva thing might be a bit, um, might be a bit of a, you know, that could be the blip. We don't know. Because um, I feel like we'll turn up at Anfield for once. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll, Newcastle, when, I mean, they're all, I mean, them, them three and uh, them two, two are night games, aren't they? Too? So, I mean, everything is now with the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the clocks <laughs> going back. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it'd be, uh, it'd be exciting. Be good. It would be good though for 12, but I mean, that's just, I think we're just, you know, getting a little bit too excited. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Um, we will leave it there. We'll keep it a short one today. It's very hard to know where to finish it because we haven't got a game coming up and we usually move on to the, to the next game and it's, it feels like it's far too early to talk about Cardiff. <laughs> um, but lads, we'll leave it there for today. Thanks very much for, for coming in Thank and you. thanks for listening Pleasure. at home. Just remember to rate, review and subscribe to the Royal Blue Podcast on iTunes or the Acast app. Paul, thanks very much. Mark, Thanks very much. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.